Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast on this Saturday morning, on this coffee golf Saturday morning as the Open Championship continues. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell. Colby, good Saturday morning to you. It is a great Saturday morning. You wake up, major championship golf is on. No matter what time you wake up, uh, unless you're some sort of degenerate that wakes up at 2.30 in the morning, golf is on when you wake up. Uh, And some Cowboys, especially Taylor Goose, went out and played well earlier. He was in a feature group with Bryson and shot a few under and beat Bryson by like five shots. So uh, go Pokes. Yeah, Taylor had to endure Bryson DeChambeau for 18 holes, which is not for the faint of heart, but he played awesome and – He's going to make a lot of money if he keeps it up uh, going in tomorrow. So that's that's exciting. And um, Victor Hovland just kind of hovering. <laughs> he's just right around one under. Has been I feel like he's been one under this entire tournament. He hasn't really quite made a move. But uh, that's about it for the, the Oklahoma State contingent. Ricky barely made the cut. So the Open Championship continues. And we got a lot to talk about. We missed uh, – we haven't discussed Big 12 media days yet. Uh, Oklahoma State basketball getting just another – big fish uh this might be moby dick for for mike boyden considering the the need on the roster and so we're gonna talk about all of that but first here from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com football season rapidly approaching go buy chris's get you some new cowboy gear because i think it's gonna be a great year for football and basketball and both both those sports to me seem like they're gonna have really good years and uh be sure to stop by chris's we certainly appreciate them sponsoring the podcast big 12 media days colby to me it's it's more of an exciting idea like the week leading up and then when you're there and they're answering questions it's kind of dull but i do love big 12 media days in that we're about a month away before we're like right there football season it's it's really getting closer and closer and it's a sign that summer is kind of winding down and football season's rapidly approaching so i wanted to talk about a multiple different variations of, of topics that, uh, that came up down in uh, Jerry world, but just what, what was your kind of general thoughts that after media day? Yeah. I mean, I thought uh, obviously the hair was a big storyline, so I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the hair a little bit, but Gundy had some good things to say, um, especially talking about the big guy on the offensive line, talking about Spencer Sanders. I, I think maybe to me um, the quote that I was most intrigued by on the week was he, he said that, they saw more growth out of Spencer Sanders in two months this spring than they saw in two years at the quarterback position. Now, part of Big 12 Media Days is you have to sort out what is coach speak, what is nonsense, and what is real. And uh, I don't have that answer for you, but I, I do think, and we talked about this last week, an extra year with Tim Rattay, a full off season. Now he's got two years starting under his belt. I think there is the possibility that he makes a big leap this season. And there's a lot of pressure on him, a lot of weight on his shoulders, uh, you know, especially having a, a decent backup in Illingworth. I don't, you know, we don't know if Illingworth's a star yet, but I think we know that he could at least be decent. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Spencer Sanders going into this season. So if he has, in fact, improved a ton in the spring, that would bode incredibly well for Oklahoma State. Yeah, and I, I've always said that I, I understand the situation, right? I think context matters with Spencer and all the interceptions he's thrown. There are ready-made excuses there. The fact that he's had three different quarterback coaches in three years, two different offensive coordinators, all of that to me makes sense. Um, 
but the one question I would have is how much of that is an excuse? Obviously COVID as well. Didn't have a spring last year. These are all, these are all really reasons and not excuses why Spencer probably hasn't progressed as much as he should. I just, I wonder how much of that is true and how much of that is, this is kind of who Sanders is. He's kind of feast or famine. He's a big play here and interception there because I look at, and maybe this is an unfair comparison between him and Spencer Rattler, but Spencer Rattler was a redshirt freshman last year, struggled early, and over his last seven games threw two interceptions. So he figured it out without a spring. Now he is the Heisman favorite, so perhaps that's an unfair comparison. And that's part of being at Oklahoma State is you get, you get compared to the team down the road quite a bit. So I just – I wonder how much do you think those factors – are at play versus how much do you think this is kind of who Spencer is where he's, he's kind of feast or famine and just kind of a young quarterback working through things. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's, it's definitely some of both. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to a point in Spencer Sanders career where we go five or six games with no interceptions and they throw a graphic up at the bottom and they're like Spencer Sanders, 281 consecutive pass attempts without any interceptions. <laughs> I, I don't think we're getting to that point with Spencer, but you don't necessarily need to be at that point. I, I do think that, uh, you know, some consistency at, at coaching, a little bit better offensive line play, uh, and, and maybe we could see some improvement. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to Spencer Rattler. Uh, I'd rather compare him to a former Oklahoma State Cowboy. Oklahoma State had a dual threat guy by the name of Zach Robinson in the mid to late 2000s who was pretty stinking good. And, you know, he, he wasn't uh, the most flashy guy on the planet, but he could do enough with his legs. He could do enough with his arm. He didn't really make a ton of mistakes. I think that's a better blueprint for Spencer Sanders because, you know, that's Oklahoma State. That's similar offensive uh, characteristics and mindsets. Uh, obviously, Zach Robinson had Dez. Having Dez is a nice little, uh, nice little crutch to lean on there. But I think that that is a good thing for Spencer Sanders to, to kind of look at and say, okay, there's been a guy similar to what I'm doing at Oklahoma state in the past. W what were some good things that he did uh, taking care of the ball and making sure that he was putting his team in positions to win and kind of just try to continue to learn uh, because Sanders is so, so talented. We've seen it so many times, but it, it just, it has to all come together this season for Spencer. That's an interesting comparison between him and Zach. I hadn't really – it's an obvious one because they both played at Oklahoma State, both dual threat. But to your point, Sanders threw 11 interceptions in 11 games in 2019. He threw eight last year in nine games. In Robinson's first year, he threw nine, 10, and 12. Their first three – or his last three years. Nine, 10, and 12. So, Zach – to get a little loose with the football as well, throw interceptions. That's kind of a, this day and age in offense. You're going to get close to double-digit interceptions with how many times you throw the football. So that's a that's an interesting point. Zach did come in early in his career, much like Spencer. Uh, if he can end up being as good as Zach, then then they're going to have a really good year this year because I think Zach is is really underrated with what he did at Oklahoma State and really kind of where they were as a program. He 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 elevated Oklahoma State with his play. So. I don't know. I, I'm excited about Spencer. I, I certainly I, I've been one of the few people that keep that have brought brought up the the three different offensive coordinators, the, the three different quarterbacks coaches. He talked a lot about Tim Rattay and how much he's helped him this offseason and just how much he's progressed. So there, there's no more excuses like I'm willing to give him a pass for last year with COVID and with all the, all the things that he's had to deal with with the coaching staff. But 
it's put up or shut up time. And I thought he, I thought Spencer Sanders was really impressive down at Jerry world. He's, he's always been pretty straightforward and open and honest. And, you know, Mike Gundy said, you know, he's always been ultra competitive and that's something that comes across when he makes a mistake, right? You can just tell Sanders is just irate. So I, I think he's a great representative. I, I think we're all pulling for him. It's just a matter of can he put it together? Cause if he does, then Oklahoma state can, can really go places. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I'm glad that you had the numbers on Zach. I, I didn't remember him uh, turning it over quite that much, um, but I guess that's some some good context that interceptions happen. It's part of the game, uh, but hopefully he can clean it up somewhat. I did like how he sounded. He's just – Spencer Sanders has always been very well put together. You know, Spencer Sanders, yes, he, he's made some errant throws in his career. He has not said the wrong thing once. There has been no negative story about him at any point in time. He has been – a model citizen as a starting quarterback at Oklahoma State. Uh, and then there was just more of the same at Big 12 Media Days. He was very well put together. Uh, he was very professional answering questions. He was loose. Uh, he had a smile on his face pretty much the whole time. Seemed like he was having fun. So uh, I definitely think that, you know, errant throw here and there, yes. But he is a very good representative of Oklahoma State. That he is. And when you talk about Sanders last year, you have to talk about the offensive line. And Mike Gundy was asked about that at Big 12 Media Days. And he kind of had a funny uh, funny quote saying that the butt whoopings they took last year will be helpful this year. Because we all know they two starters, Jacob Farrell, Bryce Bray, transferred before the season. They had injuries. And the, the two guys go down in the very first game against Tulsa and said, Mike Gundy said, you know, it's really somewhat unfair that a couple of those guys were even out there. They didn't have experience. Their bodies weren't developed. They weren't strong. They weren't strong enough. But all the butt whoopings they took should help them this year. So that that's that kind of tells you just kind of how deep on the depth chart they were. They have, they had guys up there that weren't even physically ready to play. Uh, but they do add Colby, uh, Danny Godlevsky at center, who's, a, who's a, apparently has really impressed since coming to Stillwater, and the six foot eight tackle named Caleb Etienne, who apparently is just a man mountain. He's six foot eight. He's 280 pounds, somewhere Whoa. around there. I thought, I thought I read earlier he was like 350. Maybe that was it. I, I can't find his weight all of a sudden. Let me pull it back up. I, I, think, I, I think I misspoke. I, I think I was going 320 pounds. Not, not. Uh, the, so the media guide has him listed at 6'7", 350. Gundy, oh said, Gundy said he might be closer to 6'8", 370. And that's kind of what I was, I was getting ahead of myself. I was trying to get to the quote where Gundy said, and he's not fat. Like he, he's saying like he's 370 of like muscle, which is just frightening. And frankly, what they need. And apparently he showed up at the, uh, the Sherman Smith center uh, when he was taking a visit and Joe Bob Clements said, we need to get that coach uh, on the field. Like, like joking, like that coach should play. And, Mike Gundy goes, he, he plays for us. He's, he's one of our players. He's not, he's not a coach. He's like, oh, okay, great. And he said, thank, and Joe, uh, Joe Bob said, uh, thank God, because they need offensive linemen. And he knows how bad they need offensive linemen. So they get, they get an influx with the JUCO ranks with Etienne and certainly all the guys that played last year, uh, that, that'll certainly help. And I, I did think they played better, as I've mentioned, in, in the bowl game and certainly down against Baylor and their depleted roster due to COVID. But Spencer Sanders, for all the talk we're going to have about him and turnovers and whatnot, a lot of it's going to come down to the guys that, you know, we don't we don't talk about. That we don't we don't mention their names a whole lot on these podcasts. The offensive linemen. So, 
we're going to see uh, uh, what they can do this year. Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of fun taking a trip down memory lane to that Tulsa game last year. I, I'd kind of blocked that from memory, I think, after watching it. I just immediately discarded it, but it was, it was pretty rough. I mean, we know depth has been a problem for Oklahoma State on the offensive line for years now. Even uh, some of the better teams Oklahoma State's had 2017, that, that Rudolph Washington senior year, they lose two O-linemen going into the TCU game on the right side, and they just get just beat beat bad on that side the entire game um so hopefully this etn kid is the real deal i mean six eight three seventy is what gundy's saying so I'll, I'll go with the media guy though i'll go six seven three fifty i mean if he's nimble if he's got any kind of athleticism at all that is big boy grown man nfl size offensive lineman and that's something that oklahoma state hasn't had oklahoma state has been pretty small up front in comparison to some of the better offensive lines in the country. And look, we're not asking to go out and win the Joe Moore award, but you've got to keep your guy upright. And that's something that Oklahoma state really hasn't done for a while. Now, uh, you know, the quarterback has had to work really, really hard to buy himself time for receivers to get open and the quarterback needs to live a little bit more comfortable life. So hopefully that's the case this year for Spencer Sanders. Yeah, I hope so. Etienne was a first-team All-American at Fort Scott in the junior college ranks in 2019 before transferring to Butler Community College, which didn't play in the fall because of the pandemic. So we're going to see. The offensive line is still a major question for me. I think the offense will go as far as they can take them. Uh, Mike Gundy also mentioned the wide receiver position. He, he talked up Brennan Presley again, which we've heard before. But he also talked up Tay Martin. It sure sounds like Tay Martin might be the guy there to, to fill Tylen Wallace's shoes. Tay Martin switched his number from number four to number one. So he's trying to be uh, be like Dez this season. Uh, Tay Martin's a guy, Colby, that you and I talked about during the season. We wondered why he didn't play more. Gundy always – I don't know I don't know if Gundy's telling the truth about this or if this is just kind of his, his fallback thing for the reason why talented players don't play. He, he said he was out of shape. Like – I'm will I I'm not calling Mike Gundy a liar, but like, is it is there any chance Tay Martin showed up to Stillwater out of shape? Like the guy's a college football player. Like, did he did he just sit on his couch and eat eat Lay's potato chips until he transferred from Washington State? Like, I feel like he always says that Colby when a guy's not playing, he'll just say, ah, he's, he's out of shape. We had to wait to wait until he get in shape at the end of the year. I don't know that that always bothers me. Yeah, I don't know. It's last year, maybe, maybe a little different because of COVID. So, I mean, you didn't have these guys, um, you didn't have these guys in, in the spring, you didn't have like the full off season workout regiment and all that stuff. So maybe he came in out of shape. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we could speculate, but it is. What I don't, it is. That's just, that's just a pet peeve of mine. I just, yeah. I mean, it is something that it seems like he, he can't run a go pattern five times in four hours. Come no, on. I, th I think that, and again, this is, and I think kind of what you're alluding to, there's a difference between a guy needing to be an every down receiver and run 60 routes in a game and a guy that you can bring in eight times, a guy that you can bring in for 12 plays a game on the edge just to try to scare people and maybe maybe get a big play. Uh, so I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen more of him a year ago, but I'm really excited by the prospect of the Brennan Presley-Tay Martin duo. Really excited. I mean, last year it was the it was the Thailand show. We knew that. We knew it was going to be that. It ended up being that. But this year, the, the prospect of having two guys that could both uh, play their way into elite caliber receiver conversations. I'm really, really intrigued by that. Yeah, Mike Gundy quote, it'll be very interesting to watch how Tay Martin develops. We feel good about his development after getting into our program. 
and he's in really good physical condition now. He played last year, started to develop some in the latter part of the season when he finally got in good shape. So we're hoping that those guys will carry us a little bit at that position. He didn't even play. He didn't even get on the field like the last four games. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm excited about Tay Martin. I think he's a big-time talent. He, he, he fills that role of the outside receiver, like a Tywin Wallace, the big physical target, because we all love Brennan Presley, but he's just a different type of number one receiver that we really haven't seen since probably Josh Stewart in terms of his physical build. We've, we're so used to those those outside guys. Even James Washington played bigger than his measurables. He just would go up and get the football. So I can't wait to, to watch those two because, again, skill positions is kind of more of a question mark than it, than it ever has been at OSU under Mike Gundy. We're, there's always – some established skill players, whether it's the quarterback, the wide receivers, or running backs. And this year's a little different. A lot of, a lot of new guys, a lot of guys trying to step up and, and take on uh, those roles. So, Colby, I was gone. I was at, I was at Grand Lake during Big 12 Media Days. Apparently, Mike Gunny's hair is still a topic. Like, that's all I could see on my, my timeline when I would, would get on social media was, like, it, it's almost as if, like, the, the other schools around the Big 12, they only know OSU from, like, Mike Gundy having a mullet and they wear orange like that's like like about the the gist of their their knowledge of osu and it becomes a big deal yeah it was definitely a big deal this week i don't know i've always been kind of indifferent on the hair uh, i think i've made the the comment a couple of times beat OU, and then you can you can rock the mullet uh the mullet's not really the proper hairstyle for two and 14 but that's mostly just joking uh there's, there's a little bit of truth in there obviously but mostly just joking um i don't know it's I mean, is it a story? I guess. I mean, people care about it, so it has to be a story. I just, I prefer the clean cut look. You know, you look professional. You look clean cut. You look like a, a college football coach more so than uh, than you look like a goat farmer, which I think is what he's looked like a little more the, the past couple of years. So the mullet will be back. He said he told his barber he didn't want to have to cut it again until after the season. So the mullet will probably be back. I mean, shoot, with that that head of lettuce he's got, it might be back by the for, by the opening game. And I say it's not it's not short now, <laughs> and it's July, and he's not going to cut it during the season. And so I I got on Google Images because I I kind of thought that the mullet was was gone before last season. Like I thought it was a, a dead story. I mean he, he it was a little shaggy in the back, but it wasn't a straight up mullet like it had been in years prior. I thought I thought this was like a like a two year old story that resurfaced, and then I. So I'm, I'm looking on Google Images, and last year it was just kind of shaggy or whatever, but I found a picture from Bedlam and Stillwater in, uh, two years ago. I did not remember. I, I tweeted kind of a side-by-side -side of, of Media Day versus this picture that I found. I didn't realize how freaking long Gundy's hair was back in, like, 2019. It, it's like a full-on Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. It's, like, almost down his back how long it is. It was shocking to see, so I was like – all right, well, maybe he did have a mullet for a while, but it was two years ago, not last year. Yeah, it was nasty. I mean, it was some nasty, nasty lettuce going on a couple of years ago. I don't know. He can do what he wants with his hair. I'm, uh, I'm much more focused about uh, what they do on third downs. And to be honest, what they do on fourth downs is what I'm much more concerned about. Didn't see a lot of special teams talk at Big 12 Media Day, so I'm glad, <laughs> that, we've, I'm glad that we've all forgotten that, that, that it's this black hole that keeps losing Oklahoma State football games, and we're just, we'll just totally ignore it until it re re rears its ugly head again midseason. Yep. I'm fired up for uh, 
fall camp about to start probably here in the next couple of weeks. So media days was always fun. And OSU, again, one of the few schools to bring in a, a quarterback. So that was fun. And uh, the guys were rocking the Curse of Cowboys polos too, which I, I always love. That was, a, that was a good look for the for the guys and the players. So any more takeaways from media day before we move on, Colby? Oh, not a ton. I, uh, I was impressed by Dave Aranda. I think he's really well put together. And I think that, look, I don't know how much he's going to win at Baylor, but I really like a lot of things that he had to say. Uh, Lincoln Riley saying it's good to be back at our second home. I thought was pretty clever. That's, I mean, OU's basically lived there uh, for half a decade now. So that was pretty good, pretty clever. Uh, didn't didn't catch too much of Sarks from what I saw. It was very uninspiring. Uh, coach speak. You know the expectations are are high here at Texas. You gotta you gotta raise your level to meet that high standard, and, and you just have to embrace that. Okay, I, I, that's just <laughs> it's the same Texas talking points. I, I would say that if there's one team that I'm less confident in now than I was Tuesday, it would be Texas. Just the stuff about the expectations being high and the standards and raising the bar, all that crap that we hear from every new Texas coach is just, it, it just puts me off so much. So I will, I will stand firm in my pick of Texas to finish fifth in the conference. Yeah. I like that more and more. Sark had this just asinine quote about how success isn't measured by wins and losses it's every single day you know that it's like the same thing we've heard from every texas coach for the last 10 years <laughs> so sark has just picked up right where tom herman's left off i think and and what can you say if you're sark i mean texas has massively underachieved that's why he's there so there's, there's not a whole lot to say he's got to go prove it but i did talk to some people that were down there colby and apparently the Apparently, the people that follow Texas super closely and know things are 1,000% convinced Casey Thompson will be the starting quarterback. So that's exciting. I mean, it would make sense. I saw his Heisman odds the other day. He's like 40 to 1 to win the Heisman. So I, I think that they probably got some pretty good sources, whoever's setting those lines. So I am very much in on Casey Thompson being the starter, and I'm very excited to watch him play college football. He, uh, he can sling it pretty good, and I don't know. We haven't seen him play since he was in Newcastle four years ago. So I don't know what he's going to look like, but I'm excited to watch it. It'll be fun. Can't wait for Big 12 football. Uh, let's get to basketball, Colby. Mike Boynton is a deep sea fisherman he just continues to pull out big fish after big fish after big fish and you and i have talked for months there's a gaping hole at center and what does he do he gets another transfer this time from memphis center musa Cisse, one of the top big men on the transfer market he's committed to play at oklahoma state he picked osu over a group that included florida state georgia and kentucky He's a five, former five-star recruit, was the number 24 player overall out of high school the same year that Bryce Thompson was coming out. So now they get Bryce Thompson and another top 25 player in the entire country. Mike Boyden, absolutely rolling. Take that, Kentucky fans. Take that. We took Cade. You got mad. We took Musa. I'm sure you're mad. Oh, gosh, I love I love getting recruits over Kentucky in basketball, especially when they just so happen to be some of the best players in the country. It was such a position of need, Carson, such a position of need, because 
Caleb Boone was really good last year, but he's more of a hybrid. Uh, M.A. Moncrief at 6'8", definitely more of a hybrid. Oklahoma State needed a true center. Musa Cisse will be that. You look last year, uh, KenPalm.com had him with a 10.5% block rate. This is all on PistolsFiringBlock.com, by the way. 10.5% block rate last season, which rated 22nd nationally. As a true freshman at Memphis, I mean, he played some really good basketball. He was 77th in the country in defensive rebounding rate. He was 41st in offensive rebounding rate. And again, that is as a true freshman in college basketball. And it just frees things up for Oklahoma State so much having a true big-time center. And again, Carson, we talked about this. You, you know, you, you talked about the Moby Dick. Cade was the Moby Dick. Cade is still the reason. I mean, Cade's the reason they got Moosey. He talked about it. He said he saw what they did with Cade, and he thought that was really a place that he could go and flourish. It's just opened up so many doors. And, uh, Carson, we might be nearing the point, and this would have to continue, but with Bryce Thompson this week, uh, not this week, this offseason with Bryce Thompson, with Musa Cisse, I mean, these are big-time Big-time transfers, five-star guys, elite transfers that every school in the country wanted. Mike Boynton could establish himself as a place for elite, talented players who went somewhere earlier in the career and it didn't work out. Everybody's going to get this one free transfer now. Mike Boynton is establishing himself as the guy that you want to go play for if it didn't work out at your first stop. And I love that because Bryce Thompson is so talented. It just didn't totally work at Kansas. Musa Cisse is so talented. It still kind of worked at Memphis. He just wanted something different. I mean, he was the eight... Pardon me. He was the American Athletic Conference uh, freshman of the year. So, Carson, I, I just I cannot even put into words how excited I am for Oklahoma State basketball season. Two years in a row. It's it's a feeling that I haven't felt uh, since I was a kid about OSU basketball. So uh, bring on November, bring on December. Let's do it. Yeah, I love it. Uh, great points by you. Uh, the, the Kate Cunningham factor. We're already seeing it. Like you mentioned, every single player they're getting now. One of the first things that comes out of their mouth is Cade Cunningham, watching him, how he developed under Mike Boynton. And it, they really are becoming a, a transfer destination. And that's how this game's played now with, with the transfer portal. And again, just Mike Boynton. And all the talent they've accumulated is starting to stack up to where it even becomes more appealing, Colby. It's not just about Cade Cunningham. Here's a quote from Musa Cisse on ESPN.com. Our goal is to win the Big 12 Conference Tournament and National Championship. Last year, I didn't get to the NCAA tournament. That's a big goal of mine. I see all the pieces they've got coming back at Oklahoma State. We're going to be really good. So, I mean, this is a guy who obviously sees all the talent Mike Boyden's already established with Bryce Thompson, Avery Anderson, all the guys they have coming back that were on last year's roster. And not only does he just like the fact that they've developed a Cade Cunningham and the fact that he likes Mike Boyden, he sees a legit team. And that's something we haven't been able to say for a while because of transfers and lack of depth. But now they've got a real roster that's appealing to a guy like a CSA who could go anywhere he wants to. And he, Colby, he also tested the NBA waters. He went to the uh, G League elite camp in Chicago, but he withdrew his name. But he did take all his measurements. He's just under seven feet tall. His, he has a seven inch or seven, seven, four and a half wingspan a 9-4 standing reach. He can almost touch the dang rim just standing there. Elite, apparently those are elite dimensions comparable to NBA big men such as Clint Capella, Nerlens Noel, and Jackson Hayes. So this guy's going to be in the NBA probably after this season. 
that's that's the type of talent they've got coming to Stillwater to play center for them. And and again, Big 12's loaded, Colby. But man, you just start looking at their roster now. I mean, I'll pick Baylor ahead of them, and and that that might be that might be where I stop based on the roster. It's it is so. Oklahoma State is so close to being one of the most talented teams in the conference. So, so close. And I don't know what the ceiling for this team is, but it's like, how long have we have we begged for an elite big man in Stillwater? I mean, we see guys around the country. We see schools around the country. Kofi Coburn at uh, Illinois, who just announced he's coming back to Illinois yesterday. I mean, we've seen elite big man across the country. And every time Oklahoma State goes up against one of those guys, it's a huge mismatch. Even Carson, even the Oregon State game, Oregon State's not great. But Oregon State had the one seven-footer, and it just it just rained hell down on, on Oklahoma State. Could not get rebounds. Could not get rebounds. It lost in the game, the fact that they could not rebound. And those problems just go away whenever you get an elite big man. That's what Oklahoma State has gotten. It, it will free up Caleb Boone to do all the things that he is good at and not be forced into doing some of the things that he's not good at, like defending uh, and, and having to out-rebound some of these elite big man seven-footers around the country. Um, I, I don't know where I would pick Oklahoma State in the Big 12 just yet. We'll let it all play out. We'll definitely make our predictions when basketball season rolls around. But now we're at this point, Carson, where I, I don't know. Going into – Let's rewind the clock a year ago at this exact time. A year ago at this exact time, we were really excited for the basketball season, but we we kind of figured it would be one-hit wonder with Cade, and then, you know, Oklahoma State would go back to being the seventh-best team in the conference, and who knows what happens after that. Boynton has totally parlayed it into what seems like sustainable success and, and seems like they could even be better. And I was concerned about the football program a year ago at this time. 2020 was not a good offseason for Oklahoma State. A lot of stuff went down. And I didn't think, you know, I, I was like, you lose Chuba, you lose Tylen, you lose Rodarius, all these guys. I thought I was going to be more concerned about football than I am going into the season. I am so optimistic about both. And I can't remember the last time that I could sit here in July and, and say uh, and, and truly mean and believe what I'm saying, that both of these programs have a legitimate chance to be really good in the same season. No, it's super exciting because it's been a long time since both were, were up there. Uh, one little last bow on the recruiting from Mike Boyden. Since 2018, this is from Cody Nagel from 247 Sports. Since 2018, OSU basketball has landed three five-stars, six four-stars, and 12 three-stars. I mean, so nine five- or four-stars since 2018. Mike Boyden is recruiting at an absolutely elite level, and that's uh, – that's good for Oklahoma State. So, uh, two more things real quick, Colby. I, I missed this from Big 12 Media Days. The, uh, the horns down ruling, you cannot, you cannot do that toward a player, which we all kind of knew. I thought, I thought the reaction was a little overblown in that they've always said as long as you if – you, if you do it in a player's face, you're going to get flagged. But if you do it to your own sideline, you probably won't. Uh, to me, that, that story was a little overblown. And then OSU's monster big screen can't be used for field goal distractions anymore, which – I think's probably the right call. Although I just I loved when they put like the the million different little goalposts on the on the on the big screen to to distract Texas. I thought that was awesome, but I can see why they would they would want to outlaw that. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the right call uh, to go ahead and outlaw the, uh, the the yellow lines on the big screen. The Texas thing, it's just we all enjoy taking shots at Texas. We really like when Texas is the punching bag, and it, that's just such 
low hanging fruit. I mean, it's just so easy to go after that because they seem so sensitive about it. The only thing I'll say that I don't like about it is whenever he was explaining it, he said, if you do it in the face of an opponent, it will probably be a penalty. If you do it to your own sideline, it probably won't be a penalty. I, uh, Boy, I, I've got a real problem leaving that much gray area because I have a real problem just leaving it up to basically judgment calls every time by the Big 12 refs. I need a concrete rule in place. If, if I do it to the opponent, is it a penalty 100% of the time? If I do it to my own sideline, are you going to flag me even 1% of the time? Because what if, what if Oklahoma State and Texas, there's like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma State scores a touchdown and somebody flashes hordes down to the OSU sideline and all of a sudden uh, an official has his feelings hurt, tosses a 15-yarder, now you're kicking off from your own 20-yard line, uh, leading by three or four points with three minutes left in the game. I just, I, I don't like the subjectiveness of it that's being left up to Big 12 officials because I'll be real honest with you, Carson. I don't totally trust their judgment. I absolutely don't. There's we have years and years of uh, instances to not trust them. So I don't. I don't think it'll be a big deal. It really hasn't since the initial ruling that the horns down thing was going to be flagged. But again, this is just another sign. And this is quite frankly, this is why this is why schools left the Big Twelve. They're tired of dealing with Texas and this crap. This is coming from the, the Longhorn offices to the Big 12 offices. So it's stupid. And I don't understand why a school that is completely irrelevant in football still thinks they can run the show. I guess that's just how it is being since they're, since they're Texas and have all that money. So Money, money, yeah. money, money, money everything. Yep. Colby, this was fun. I'm doing this on a Saturday with the golf on. You got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. It's going to be a good Saturday. I've got golf on the computer right now. I've got uh, formula one sprint on the phone. It's, it's a good Saturday, Carson. I'm going to uh, kick back and watch some sports for a while. I need to, I need to get into that F1 show. Apparently everybody that watches that follows F1 now and I feel, I feel left out. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. I went on with Gideon Hamilton to talk open championship on the sports animal on Tuesday night. And uh, right before we got off, he asked me, he was like, if I found another formula one fan and I got really excited. I'm like, did I find another formula one fan? <laughs> did we just become best friends? <laughs> exactly. It was very much a stepbrothers moment. It's, it's becoming less and less niche and more people are getting into it. Uh, I just saw yesterday where they're building a track down in Miami. So Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, uh, the U S is going to start to get more races. It looks like. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm addicted. I've only been, in it for a few months but i'm addicted i gotta get into it what's it called uh formula one drive to survive is the netflix show drive if, to survive if you watch that and avoid all the results that are happening on on the circuit and then you come in and see how things stand now you'll be like oh wow this is uh this is big time the, the changes and stuff that have taken place so it's it's a lot of fun is uh max verstappen a part of this show uh max verstappen is a very big part of the show I keep hearing that name. He must be either the most popular or the villain. I, I'll have to wait and see, I guess. A little bit of both, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, Colby, we'll get back with you uh, next week. Hopefully, Jordan Spieth can bring home the uh, Claret Jug. That's who I'm pulling for. Who are you pulling for? Uh, well, I picked Jordan Spieth to win, and I have him rostered in about 18 different pools this week. <laughs> yes, so you do. Let, let's put it this way. My feelings are not hurt that he just made a 40-footer for birdie on the fourth hole. Go get that, as he likes to tell Grell, or go get that ball out of the hole. So uh, I'll be pulling for speed. I would, it wouldn't bother me if Louie won. He, he'd be a worthy champ. Uh, he's, he has so many runner-ups. I wouldn't mind seeing Louie win. But past those two, that's who I want to win. So can't wait to watch it. Colby, good Saturday to you. We'll get back with you next week. Yeah, everybody have a great uh, short weekend since it's a Saturday, and we'll see you next week. Go Pokes.